0: There's a spirit of celebration in the air. I, I believe there's some pent-up energy going on in here. I don't know when you're going to come get some in this place. But you ought to be missing it right now. Yeah, we can't hardly wait. Caz can't get a foot in the door before he jumping up in the choir stand, trying to lead us in some kind of way. Yeah, yeah. Come on in here. Bring your song. We want we want you to bring your song up in here, cause uh, we know he will. Yeah, bless you, bless you, T. That was that was magnificent. Reg, Reg was grooving up here too, and Richard too. Yeah, y'all. I was watching them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I I love it when everybody sings. Oh yeah, it's time calling all choir members, calling calling all choir members. It's time to, time to come on back in here, get your vaccination. We'll give you a free robe. <laughs> yes, sir, you'll get a robe. <laughs> Show us your vaccination card and we'll robe you. Yes, sir. Did you know that started with? I didn't, the first time I've heard of it, it's great, I love it. Bless you. Oh, 1986. Praise for the USA. Praise for the USA. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I love it. And uh, well, there's so many good songs out there. We're just waiting to celebrate. Bring them all out, open the book. Open the book and sing. I hope y'all miss church the way I miss church. Now, we've been having worship service. We haven't missed it in 66 Sundays, but there's a way we have church, yeah, where, where you can cut loose up in here. Some folk don't know what I'm talking about. They, they don't need church wet with sweat, because they've been working in praise there's a whole lot that goes into it i i can't wait to see you sitting on the back row singing as loud as the choir that's what i'm waiting on come on t i hear you hey come on right now right now right now come on pray for our nation nation, y'all yeah pray for us Come come on Come on, everybody. Brothers and sisters. Brothers and sisters. Let's stand together. Let's stand together. Pray for the U.S.A. We need it right now. Hey. Come on, everybody. Come on. Let's join together. Pray for our nation. We need it right now. Ha. see see, people who are not spiritual think when we get to a place like this we're just prolonging it but the truth of the matter is it won't let us go it won't let us step into the next phase because there's so much pent up in us and I know you can say well just stop and preach what I'm telling you is just start (laughs) with us and then you'll understand what's going on you might not know the lyrics But let it infuse you, let it infect you. That's one of the things we're missing. It's one of the things we're missing in this corporate worship. That's what we want to get back to. It's hard for you to catch on a little bit while you're sitting at your kitchen table or in your den. I'm excited about you coming in here. Let's get together. Come together as soon as we can. And we'll be putting out information to you about how we're going to start reopening 45th Street for you to come we've been having some preliminary discussions the staff now we're going to include some other leaders and so to that end I'd like to have a meeting on this Tuesday evening with all of our deacon leaders and all our ministers I'll send out a zoom invite for you so we can start this conversation in earnest there's a word from the Lord and I know you come to hear it. Let me pray. Father, we bless your name today and thank you for another blessed opportunity to stand in this place. And it's our prayer, Lord, that all that we will say will be from you, for your people. And to that end, Lord, I'd ask you to hide me behind the cross. Let nothing interfere with the delivery of what you would have spoken to them. Put Andre in his place put Christ in his place. And let all know that you sent your son to save a dying world. It's still necessary that men be saved. And because of that it's still necessary they still hear about Jesus Christ. Lord we love you and we adore you and we lift this in the matchless name of your son. Amen. I've been in a contemplative place for a few weeks now, just observing some of the conversations that take place in and around church and the various places I'm allowed to go. And I've seen a consistent conversation with, between people no matter where they are. Folk in 2021 are quick to blame COVID for a lot of stuff. Yeah, everything that seems to be out of step. COVID is the blame, according to what I'm hearing. Yeah, some of it is that, Reg. What I realized though in some of the people that I'm listening to, some of the complications they refer to existed pre-COVID. And so I don't understand how a condition or a problem that existed pre-COVID could be caused by the 2020 pandemic. And it caused me to be prayerful about how we wish preach about this and the Lord showed me a scripture, took me to one that I believe highlights the fact I particularly have been distressed in church because in 2020, there was so much that was blocked from us in terms of movement, but the one thing that never got blocked was the word, not not from this church. And, and let me say this. I don't want to selfishly put it at 45th Street. Churches quickly figured out how to adapt and put the word out. And so if you had a desire to hear the word of God, it was everywhere. You didn't have to have video. It could just be audio. People were mailing out pamphlets. Whatever it was, you could get it. And yet, despite that, I wonder how many folk in here would would, would, would dare to say, raise your hand, slip it up, if you feel like you are less close in your walk than you were before 2020 came around. How many of you feel like you're not as energetic when it comes to the things of the Lord? He's all right, mama, we need that. How many of you would say, that you haven't been as diligent, despite the time, despite the isolation? How many of you would say you don't have the enthusiasm you had for the things of the Lord that you had prior to 2020? And it seems ironic that we've had more time and we put in less with the Lord that's a problem. Not only do you notice it, but guess what? He does too. And the Lord sent me to Hebrews chapter 2 specifically verse 1. Hebrews 2 and and 1. Very poignant verse. The writer wrote, "We must pay more careful attention. Therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. We must pay more careful attention to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. Now now let me go back and give you An exception to what I started out saying. I realize that the pandemic's conditions may have highlighted some problems you had. They may have exposed it. But I'm going to stand flat-footed on my premise that they probably probably didn't cause it. Oh, it may have exposed the fact that you weren't reading your Bible like you (laughs) like you had been, or maybe like you want to. It may have exposed the fact that you weren't growing in your prayer life like you wanted to. But, it, but, but I doubt very seriously if in the middle of a pandemic, you didn't understand the necessity of prayer. Yeah, right. I, I, I doubt very seriously if you didn't understand when you're walking through the store and you don't know who's got what and where they are, that you didn't understand how to say, Lord, help me. Lord, keep me. Lord, protect me. But that's not the prayer I'm talking about. I'm talking about the time spent with just you and the Lord. Oh, it was a perfect opportunity. And this verse tells me that the problem comes not from the core issue that's around you, but it comes internally because we have been, watch this, drifting, drifting away. So for just a little while today, I want to talk about this, uh, this topic Slip sliding away, slip sliding away. If I step on your toes, as my brother says all the time, just say ouch and buy a bigger pair of shoes. There is an opportunity for us to learn from the things that we haven't done so well. If we have have enough courage to open ourselves, up to that growth. Now, we can be stubborn and stay where we are, or we can open ourselves to the leading of the Holy Spirit. There's some signs. If you've ever been to uh, around the Buffalo, New York area, it's right there on the border where Niagara Falls is. Fishermen there know that if they ever get in the river there, that almost as soon as they get in, they start seeing signs that tell them to be careful of drifting. Watch out for drifting. Pay attention to your surroundings. And why is that? Because you can get on the lake there at a very serene place while you're fishing, but what they don't understand is that the undercurrents in the lake will be pulling you ever towards the falls. And most of the time, people won't realize that they've gotten themselves in a space until they're on the cusp of going over the 168-foot fall, which no one comes from because of what's up under the waterfall. And life tends to be like that, Cass that sometimes we'll find ourselves seemingly at a peaceful place, but undercurrents in life can be coming along and can pull us toward a dangerous place and we don't realize until it's too late. Drifting is a very dangerous thing. Which is why when you are in life, you need to keep yourself fixed on a place. In your spiritual walk, you need to stay fixed on a point. But too often, we'll allow the circumstances and things of life to come and pull us slowly away. Friendship, fellowship, yeah, just socializing with people. will pull us from that fixed place that we've grown accustomed to and we'll find that we have been slipped, sliding away from the place we want to go to. Let let me tell you some things about drifting that you may already be aware of. First of all, it requires no effort. Oh, yeah. Yeah, all you do is stop making forward progress, and the currents of life will come along and pull you, pull you back. No effort on your part, yeah. That's why, that's why the writer of Hebrews said in this place that we have to pay more careful attention. We got to be aware of what's going on in our life all the time. Yeah, it's an unconscious process to start drifting because you're not paying attention. Watch this now. You never drift upstream. It's always being pulled down. Stream against the tide. You know it ain't good to go against the tide anyway. You also need to know that speed downstream increases. Yeah, when you're getting pulled backwards, you'll find yourself moving at a faster clip. Uh, you know it's right now. You know how long it takes you on that upward climb trying to get to that place you want to be But how quickly do you fall when things aren't going well? Drifting is dangerous to other folk too. Because when you're in that place, you'll take somebody else out without even trying. Uh, A ship that's adrift on the sea has to be stopped. Because not only is it dangerous to the person, to the people on that ship. But it's dangerous to any other ship around because there's no one in control. It's being pulled and ultimately drifting ends and shipwreck. Oh yeah, which is of course not where you want your life to be. But the writer of Hebrews is careful to give us some direction on how to deal with it and this it's interesting to me because this place that he takes us to is not just a place of warning about drifting in our lives, it's a place of warnings about other things. Chapter one starts out by getting our attention and telling us about what faith really is, but we know that famous scripture there because he's got warnings throughout. He tells us about being negligent here in chapter two. Then in chapter 3, he talks to us about being disobedient. And then in chapter 5, he talks about desertion. Moves on in chapter 10 and talks about rebellion. Chapter 12, worldliness and unwillingness to listen to guidance in chapter 12. The entirety of Hebrews is a book of warnings. But what good is a warning if people don't heed it? What good is a warning if you simply, if the sign tells you stop and you don't pay attention to it, then you've not only endangered yourself, but anyone else around you because people assume in the natural order of things that you're going to pay attention to those signs that are around. And when you don't do that, you endanger yourself and them too. We must pay more careful attention, therefore, to what we've heard. I love this. The word that's used, the Greek word that's used, perario, that's used in this for drift, means to flow by, to slip away from. And, and the definition of this word is that it involves a carelessness of mind. Mind that's preoccupied by other things. Be careful what all you put in your mind. See, that's what I saw in 2020. There was so much stuff coming at us. We filled our minds endlessly with Netflix and 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 Prime Video. We filled our minds with all these things that were meaningless. YouTube got all our attention. We've learned how to make souffles we don't even like to eat because the information was there for us. We filled our minds with so much but not the needful things of life, the serious things of life, we struggle to. And it made us careless in our walk. We're preoccupied by things, can I say this, that don't matter. Things that don't matter. 45 Seconds of Praise came out the other day and said that the greatest fear we have in life is not being successful saying being successful in things that don't matter. Yeah, we spent our our time on a cause that has no great meaning, but we were wonderful at it. And the things that are important, we paid no mind to. Nothing is more important than your faith and your walk. (sighs) The definition of this parario, I love it, because the beginning of it is the same prefix for the word paraclete. We've talked about that before. How do we know what a paraclete is? That's, we've described the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is one who comes alongside you and takes care of you. Para, alongside. Yeah. And that's what we got here. Parario means to flow by, something that's flying by us but doesn't have any meaning, and we are not trying our best by paying attention to stop it. It's a ship that's loose from its mooring. That's what your mind is. It's a drift in the sea of everything. And the the main point, Alvin, is that we're not taking seriously enough the things that are going on around us. And because of that, we're drifting. Look, 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 look. watch this now. I'm just going to ask you. You don't have to answer. You can get upset with me if you want to, but how many of you have really been upset that you haven't been able to come to church like you're supposed to? How many of you think that I could get used to this for the rest of my life not coming in? How many of you are saying, well, we didn't have to do all that in church anyway? How many of you are saying, The 45 minutes or an hour I spent on Sunday morning is enough for me. How many of you are saying that? Or maybe were saying that? And I know everybody say that until I run into them and some real trouble has jumped on them. And then the next thing I hear them say is I sure can't wait to get back in church again. Because they realize that there's something about the fellowship. I found this to be the case, y'all, walk with me on this, that there's some people Reg, who need the bookends of the church in their life every week. They realize that from Monday to Saturday it's sketchy out there. And I need to have my church on Sunday and keep me reaching for some more fellowship on the next Sunday. Because in between that time I struggle too much. And you know when we've gone weeks at a time without you being able to come and get the validation that comes with trying to do right, your old demons come back. Things you've been running away from take over. You're spending too much time thinking about what used to be and how it could be and things you thought you had put in check. Now they're just running amok again. Somebody out there realizes they've been slipping away. And you can't blame the pandemic on it because you were having that problem before the pandemic. The pandemic just came along and made it highlighted what's going on in your life. Why are some reasons that people drift? Well, first of all, some people drift because they don't have enough, enough depth in their relationship with the Lord in the first place, they, they never have disciplined themselves enough to study, to pray. They won't. Ha- they don't have the courage to sit in somebody's Bible study class and learn a little bit more. They never discipline themselves enough. They always say Sunday school is for children. And that is true. Children do go to Sunday school, but Bible study is for everyone. Whether you do it on Sunday morning or whatever day of the week, you need somebody who can teach you about the Bible, teach you what it says. And if you find someone who can't speak to you, you need to find somebody else who can. Amen. Who can teach you what to do. They don't have enough depth. And there's this common saying these days that the church is five, mi- five miles wide and one foot deep. Yeah. It's because we keep putting mega churches out there that are growing bigger and bigger. And yet we're not increasing the depth of knowledge Of those who are in the church. And that's true of us in our personal lives. We keep keep growing in our conversations about what our life is and yet we don't grow in the depth of our knowledge. How do you know if you have a deep relationship with the Lord? Well, life comes along and shows you just how deep it is. Now some people can withstand an ocean of problems and some folk can't withstand a puddle because they don't have enough depth. They're not rooted deeply enough in their relationship with the Lord. You know, a root serves a whole lot of purposes on a tree. Not only does the root bring nourishment, you need to make sure you get it in the right soil, the right foundation, but a root also brings stability. When the winds come and the waves come, roots that are deep enough can help the tree stand. But shallow-rooted trees get pulled down and pulled away by the currents of life. Pay attention to someone who has been involved in church and around the church for a long time and see how they deal with adversity. And that's how you can determine the depth of their relationship. We also have problems with slipping away because of denial. Yeah, there are people who just Walk around church all the time, but they deny the fact that they're just in the fellowship. They're not in the relationship with the Lord. They're just in the social atmosphere of the church. It's possible to be in the social atmosphere of a church all your life and never be rooted and grounded in your relationship. You depend on people. You come because you like people there. Yeah, You come because you like the pastor there, but just let the pastor no longer be there and suddenly it doesn't have any appeal to you anymore because you're not rooted and you're not grounded there. Yeah, They're also in denial about what they're doing in their own lives. They've denied that their lives are still sinful, that they've never really changed. They joined the church and went back to doing exactly what they were doing. There was never any true repentance in their lives. Some folk wanna call that, I'm, I'm a member of the church, but I like keeping it real. Well, you keeping it real wrong. It's how life comes now. You don't wanna hear nobody say this, but how can non-believers tell that you're a believer if you do everything non-believers do? That's right. Slip sliding away. You're getting further and further away from the core truth. Difficulties come along and show you whether people are rooted and grounded. Yeah, deception. Some folks just want to act like they're in the church. Yeah, yeah, they they are a disciple by day and a demon by night. And we got into a place now where the demons come out in the daytime. They don't have any problems. We are following the doctrines of personality. People like what they can get from someone. They want to be close to someone who seems like they're big in church. They don't believe in Jesus. No, they believe in that person right there. Come on now, don't act like you don't know it. There are plenty of ministries that are not teaching, they're not, but they are drawing, if you understand what I'm saying. Yeah, that's a cultive personality. Folk want to follow the one who's leading that church, whether he's living right or not. They make excuses on him, and he's drawing people away from the core beliefs that Jesus taught about for his own personal benefit. I keep saying he, but of course, you know, it's non-gender specific. It can be anyone who's drawing you away from what Jesus left us. Those are reasons why we are drifting. Drifting because you're being, that's a, that's a, that's a ripple that's pulling you away an undercurrent, pulling you away from what the Lord says. Watch this. Some people are swayed to follow a doctrine that is false. And they make that doctrine the core principle of their belief because somebody they like said so. That's not what the scripture says. It was vital that people continually measure their belief system by the word of God. And make sure that you are doing what Jesus Christ told us we ought to be doing. Can I tell you, when Jesus said it the first time, it wasn't something that was appealing to everybody. Some people had to figure out, is this something I can follow? It has gotten no, It has. it's not any more appealing to some people today. Walking this narrow pathway of Christianity is hard. But there's a way unto man that seems right, except the end of that way is destruction. If you find that everybody's doing it, you need to check yourself, because everybody's not going to sacrifice for folk who mistreat them. Everybody's not mature enough to love somebody who's been hating them. But this is the way we have to do it, and we're not willing to do that, then we might be drifting away from what he told us about. I came to tell you that you have gotta constantly check yourself. That's what, that's what we had, Reg. We had, on Sunday, we had a self check. We come in on Sundays and we worship together and we're checking ourselves, Lord, and by doing what you want. And we had many self checks every day in the week between, but now we've been put in a situation where too much other stuff (laughs) is in the way of our self checks. What else is drawing us away? Division. Division is drawing us away. There's always going to be folk who are going to try to divide people around us, not just externally to the church, but internally as well. People want to have groups within a church that are meaningless. Can I tell you, everybody that's in a church, according to the Lord, is dust. Now, some dust works in certain places, Some dust works in highly recognized places, and and some dust works in other places, but everybody's dust. He remembers we're dust. We're the only ones who try to pretty up our dust. We try to make other folk believe that our dust is better than somebody else's dust. And we create divisions in churches. Big eyes and little u's is what we do. Division that draws us away from the core meaning of what church is all about. What happens when we're drifting? What's the essential problem that comes from that? Well, the core problem is that we start to lack or lack, or not have a fear of sin. Oh yeah, we just, we just sin without any fear of any consequences of it. We just keep doing what we're doing. And in fact, you'll notice it because the offending action keeps getting worse. Why? Because they don't fear anything. Watch this, if you got a child and you tell them you cannot have sweets before you have dinner, they figure out how to get some sweets before dinner, and you realize that they've got them, but you don't take any action against them. Guess what? Eating sweets before dinner is going to become a regular thing for them. Why? Because you never had any consequences on them for doing this, not to mention the fact that they're going to ruin your groceries that you cook, because if they eat all the sweets beforehand, they're not going to want to eat them beans afterward. You just messed up their ability to grow like they should grow, but it's because you didn't take action once you saw it. Now, that's a very minor example. You put that on an adult level. And you see the things that we do that we know we shouldn't do and how they continue to get worse and worse because there are no consequences. Shall I say adultery? Shall I say the self-destructive activity that comes with drinking and alcohol? You figure out you can go to, go to work high one day. Now don't act like folk don't do it. They don't sit in the car and smoke a blunt before they go in one day. They get away with it one day, guess what? It's gonna start being a regular thing that they're gonna show up at work, buzzed and high as often as they can. Uh, Hello lights. I said I don't say that, but I know that there are people who struggle like that, why? because they don't fear any consequences from it. Can I tell you, there's always a consequence for sin. God has to, by the nature of his character, punish sin. He couldn't tolerate sin in his only begotten son. He turned away from his only begotten son at his most crucial time in life because his son was sin, personified. And if you think that God is going to treat his own son like that and not treat the creation that way, then you're only deceiving yourself in the scope of your relationship. God will exact consequences on those who are sinful. There's also when you are drifting, you don't repent of your sin. This is core because God is faithful to forgive us of our unrighteousness if we simply confess our sins. But when you don't fear the consequences, you stop confessing the sin. And because you stop confessing the sin, walk with me now, you stop having victory over sin. There's nothing better than having something that's been dogging you in life in terms of a negative behavior, and you finally conquer it. The victory that comes with that is what the songwriter says Jessica, when he, said, when, you know, when he wrote, each victory helps you another to win. The fact that I know I can deal with it one time means that I can get together again and conquer it again. You know, you know I know what I'm talking about. If I can go one whole night and not eat sweets before I go to sleep, The fact that I was courageous enough to go that night, that I was strong enough to go that night, emboldens me. I know somebody else in here is struggling with this too. I'm looking at some folk who I know are struggling with this same problem. You think you can't go a whole day without having some sweets, but when you go one day, that helps you to go a second day. And guess what? Before long, I will have put the eating sweets at night to bed. Y'all know what I'm talking about on this. Each victory helps me another to win. What's, what's crazy about that, Anthony, I'm going call you out too, is the fact that when you get to a certain point, if you're courageous enough to stop with the sweets at night, you stop craving them because it's like an addiction. But as long as you feed the addiction, you're gonna keep on craving. You got to break the cycle of wanting to do that. Now, you can replace sweets with whatever your problem is, but I know each victory helps me. Another to win. Every cookie I leave in the cupboard gets me further away from even buying cookies in the first place. If I won't buy them and bring them in the house, then I'm breaking that cycle. But the struggle begins in Publix. Not in the cupboard. I got to have enough strength when I'm in. Just because I got a card and can slide it doesn't mean I need to always get something that's going to hurt me. Yeah, and I feel guilty when I'm putting my groceries in the car and the chips are hard fall out in the back seat. I, it's like reminding me how weak I am. So if I can just leave them in publics. Yeah, got me feeling pu- sorry for publics, Nabisco need to sell cookies too, and I know this for a fact, and I'm making light of this, but I can't defeat this problem on my own. I can't. I found, and I know this through the years, and and my closet reminds me all the time that I'm not strong enough, in and of myself, to defeat this problem. I need something bigger than me. I need to replace this struggle with strength from someone else. And and you think it's small to say that I need the power of the Holy Spirit to help me get past eating cookies, but I'm not wrestling with a cookie. No, no, I'm wrestling with an addiction. And it's a, it's a sugar addiction. And a sugar addiction is as powerful as any other addiction. The same endorphin that you get from taking drugs is the same endorphin you get from eating sweets. Scientifically proven that you got to use the same concepts to deal with that. And that's why I tell people all the time, I know what a struggle is. And I failed over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. I failed as recently as this morning because it is an addiction. There's no way I should be eating a Pop-Tart in the morning. Because a Pop Tart in the morning ain't nothing but a cookie in the morning. That's all it is. Hey, I balanced it by saying, I need something before I go up in there preaching. You justified. Y'all to hear me now. And I know somebody out there shouting, drop that Pop Tart right now. Find your biscuit somewhere. And I ain't talking about no tea biscuits either. That's just a not as sweet cookie. What's the results, let me get out of here. What's the results of me drifting? When I I get past my excuses, when when I get past all the things that I struggle with, what's the result of that? First of all, I stop growing. When I'm, I'm, I've stopped growing when I'm not paying attention to my goal. I, I think about all the things that I could have done. If we're going to use COVID as the reason that some things happen, let's look at it from a positive standpoint. The lost opportunity I had all this time. And instead of binge-watching all these things that I binge-watched, I could have probably gone back and taken a course in the seminary. Because all of them are online. I could have grown in that respect, yeah. I could have done a self-study on books of the Bible. I could have grown in that respect, yeah. That's what happens, so I I, 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 I stopped growing like I could because I'm pulled, getting pulled away. Not only that, I'm also not experiencing all the grace that comes with that kind of growth, yeah, when, when, when I'm not when I'm gr- not growing closer in my relationship with the Lord, then I'm leaving off the possibility in that of getting another level of grace from him. And let me tell you this, God's grace is too valuable for us to take it for granted. At whatever level we can get it, you want new grace. What you want more than anything, you, we always talk about knowing him, we want to know him as deeply as we can. But that takes spending time with him. And the more time, will anybody agree with this, the more time you spend with somebody, the better you get to know them. Some of us have gotten to know the Lord as much as we seem to want to because we're not willing to spend no more time with him. Some of us know him as an acquaintance. Some of us know him as the one who gets us out of trouble when we get in trouble. But then there are other folk who know him so intimately that when the issues of life come along, they know he's already there walking with them, taking care of them. They don't have any doubt about it. You can see it in the courage of their faith. I see plenty of folk who seem to be walking hand in hand everywhere they go with the Lord. I go to try to encourage them in tough situations, and I realize that the seat is already occupied. They've already got the Holy Spirit there holding their hand and I'm just there learning from them, learning from them. But when you give that up, you lose grace. You also lose a sense of your godliness. You know, when we strive to become like Jesus, it shows us how he practiced the spiritual disciplines and it shows us what we ought to be doing to grow in those areas of spiritual discipline. If we're not striving to be more like Jesus Christ, then we're not walking the way that he would have us to walk. We need to spend daily time, daily time in prayer. We need to spend seasons of fasting because there's always something we need to concentrate on more. We, We treat fasting as an accessory in our lives. It's something I don't need to use like a cigarette lighter in my car. I don't pay attention to that no more. Fasting is as much a part of you growing in your prayer life as praying itself is. You need to, If you haven't reached the point of maturity, you need to grow to that place where you can start fasting about certain things. Daily time with the Lord in his word is essential. It doesn't have to be a, an inductive Bible study every time. Sometimes you can just put a verse in your mind and mull over it all day long. Having genuine praise and worship time doesn't require Reggie T. or Richard to be in your presence. You can have your own praise and worship time. You don't even have to be able to sing. You can hum out of tune and still be praising the Lord. But you also need to learn how to grow a burden for people who are struggling. You can't always ignore folk who are going through things because you always satisfy yourself by saying they can do better if they want to. Some folk can't do better. Some people struggle and they need help in getting out of the situation they find themselves in. And guess who the help is? You are the help that they need so what do we do about this? We need to, one, recognize that we got the problem. We need to remember how good God has been to us. We not just need to start repenting of the sins that we've committed. We need to return to the place where I first knew him. Yeah, at the cross. At the cross, where I first saw the light. And the burdens of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight. And now I'm happy all the day, all we keep doing is running further and further away from the cross when we ought to be trying to draw nearer. Draw me nearer, nearer, precious Lord, to the place where thou has died, draw me nearer. Nearer, precious Lord, to thy precious bleeding side. It was there by faith when I first believed that's what I need to be. And guess what happens when you return to that place over and over again? The enthusiasm that comes, you start having what we love to have. It's called revival. Yeah, you and the Lord start having a party together in the spirit, and every day you start growing better than you were the day before. But you got to recognize, first of all, that you've been slipped, sliding away. When you start neglecting your spiritual walk, even for a short time, you start drifting away from the Lord. So today, as I go to my seat, if you know that you're not where you want to be, know you're not where you've been, you need to stop right now and start making things right. Stop making excuses for yourself. Just because you have the power to do something, the freedom to do it, doesn't mean it's the right thing for you to do. Start with small things. Walk past the cookie aisle. Don't go down that aisle. Start with small things. Whatever it is that's been dogging you, you got courage. You got strength enough to ask the Lord to help you. Stop the drifting so you can draw closer to the Lord. Stop right now. Decide how you can come back into a right relationship that I know you've been missing. Stop right now. And develop that intimacy that comes with him. Do this for me. Don't wait until you got a crisis. Don't wait until there's a problem that drops you to your knees. You can voluntarily start doing it right now. While things seem okay. While the sun is shining bright. Drawing closer to you. Don't wait until the clouds overtake your life. He's waiting. Can I tell you this? He hadn't moved. He's in the same place he always was. The only one that's been pulling away is you. You've been slipped. Slip sliding away from him. Come on back. Can I ask you this? Do you know him? Have you fixed him as the central point in your life? Do you love him enough to let him guide you all the way from earth to heaven? Do you know him enough for him to be the Lord of your life? First, the salvation in your life and then let him lead you to a better life. If you've never accepted him as your personal savior, then I stand here right now, empowered to offer you a relationship with him. Accept his gift of salvation. Accept the gift that he gave you on the cross, but once accepted, once you admit you're a sinner and you accept him as your savior, watch this now, let him lead you. Let him lead you. Songwriter used to say, where he leads me, I will follow. That doesn't mean he's going to lead you in all the places you like. But I guarantee you, he won't lead you anywhere. He won't take care of you. Let him lead you. Let him take you there. Let him keep you there. And I guarantee you, one of these old days, he's going to take us all the way. And I'm glad to say this, I'll meet you there. Because I'm looking forward to being in glory with him and with you too. But it starts today.